not click back. Do not reload. We have reconnected to Dimension 404. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with The Twilight Zone. But with Dimension 404 premiering on Hulu back on April 4th, um, (laughs) I'm covering each episode of Rocket Jump's anthology sci-fi series in this bonus episode series. You can find more of Anthology, including a full archive of episodes, at anthologypod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod, tweet me at obsessiveviewer, and send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that would be to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review, or even if you're listening to to me on Stitcher. Um, go over there and leave a rating and review as well. Uh, the more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results, and it gives me um, like validation for doing this, <laughs> and uh, it makes me uh, feel uh, happy. And finally, if you want to show your, su- your support with your wallet, uh, you can do that by clicking the Donate button on AnthologyPod.com or the Donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer uh, for recurring donations. Any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running. And um, if you don't want to just make a donation and you want to get something in return, uh, you can go buy an anthology T-shirt and other merch uh, on the Obsessive Viewer Tee Public store. Uh, the link for that is in the show notes of this episode, or you can just search Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. And I, I've said this in episodes previous, but the anthology logo looks really good on a t-shirt. I'm just saying it. I'm, I'm really happy with how that turned out and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, so as I said, this is a bonus episode covering dimension 404. Um, today I'll be discussing Bob. It's the fifth episode and penultimate episode of dimension 404's first season. Uh, that premiered, as I mentioned, on April 4th, back in 20, or back in April 4th, 2017 on Hulu. Um, and I actually just found out that UK, um, viewers are going to be getting it in October. Um, so what I'm going to do now is go ahead and read the IMDb plot summary for Bob. As a holiday threat looms large, an army psychologist races against the clock to treat the strangest patient of her career and the only one who can save Christmas, Bob, a depressed NSA supercomputer. Uh, Let's see. So Bob stars Constance Wu as Captain Jane Lee. Uh, She is known for, um, uh, for the TV show Fresh Off the Boat. And as Bob, as the voice of Bob, is Tom Noonan, who has a bunch of different uh, credits to his name. He was in Heat, Damages, Hell on Wheels, uh, Horace and Pete, and also did voice work for Anomalisa. And rounding out the cast is Megan Mullally. Uh, Megan Mullally, Mullally, um, as director Stevens. Of course, she's known for Will and Grace, uh, Parks and Rec, Children's Hospital, and, uh, Bob's Burgers. Um, uh, writer for this episode is Will Campos, and directors are Matt Arnold and Freddie Wong. Now, of course, this episode of the podcast and this review 
now here shortly, uh, is going to be extremely spoiler filled, spoiler filled. So if you haven't watched Bob yet, go, go over to Hulu, watch the episode, come back and listen to my review of it. So consider yourself warned spoilers on for Bob, the penultimate episode of dimension 404's first season. Let's see. So right off the bat, it's clearly a Christmas episode. Um, and, I kind of, I kind of really like that. I like that tone that it strikes. Um, what I've found in Dimension 404 so far is that they've, each episode kind of has its own specific tone, um, from what I can see. And this is definitely a Christmas episode. And we get introduced to, um, Captain Lee. Let's see. She's, the introduction of her is that she is, she's about to go home on leave for the first time in a while and it's going to be during Christmas. So she's excited to see her, her wife and her child. Um, but it's immediately made clear that she can't, um, let a, uh, a soldier in need. Um, she can't just leave them, leave them behind. So like she's interrupted, uh, on her way to the transport to go home by a soldier who's having a little bit of a mental breakdown. And I just want to point out that the actor that plays Adams, the soldier that comes in as she's about to leave um, to go home, it's like his 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 acting is really good. Um, I'm pulling up the name now, but he is uh, he's very distraught in that moment where he where he meets uh, Lee and he's basically like he kind of starts to break down a little bit. And, and, and it I mean, it hurt to watch. Like it was it was pretty uh it was sad. I uh, really um, dug his performance. His name is Chase Williamson. Um, oh, he was in the movie The Guest. Oh, that's a really good movie. Anyway, um, yeah. So it's so it was that was a very uh, nice moment for the episode and a nice way to kind of uh, bring us into the character of of Captain Jane Lee and her um, internal um, struggle with with her obligations as, as a family person and her obligations as a, as an army psychologist. Um, and then we get some good comic relief with her interacting with the NSA people. Um, cause she is, ki- she's essentially kidnapped by the NSA and taken to a, uh, black ops site, um, to basically give therapy sessions to this massive supercomputer brain thing that looks Bob looks a lot like he came out of a Doctor Who episode. It's just this massive, massive um brain that's being mopped up by um by the actor that um he played <laughs> he played uh he was in the pr- pilot episode of It's Always Sunny as as the guy in in the gang gets racist. Um I always, I always think of him for uh, anytime I see him in anything, I think of him from the pilot episode of it's always sunny, but anyway, so she's taken to, I think it's called, um, uh, black ops site Indigo or, or what have you. Um, and she's introduced to Megan Mullally who I don't like, I like Megan Mullally has this, has this presence to her that she's very, uh, like she has this good, like authoritative, um, uh, presence to her, but I couldn't shake the thought that she was essentially, she was essentially playing Tammy Swanson as an NSA director. Um, at least in those first couple scenes, she's very kind of a kind of no BS kind of person, uh, in this, uh, in this episode. I mean, it, it's a treat. She's, I mean, she, cause she plays that character really well, but I, I couldn't shake the connection to Parks and Rec, um, for me, but that, 
your mileage may vary. I think that was maybe just my uh, thing on it. But like I said, then we're, we're introduced to Bob and Bob is a giant brain that looks like he's out of Doctor Who. The part of the set design or part of the uh, design of that, I guess, character or the structure of the character is a little flap of like brain that is, is co- partially covering the top of the like um, screen that he talks out of. And that got so under my skin, like it felt really uncomfortable. Um, like it, just looking at it, I was just like, push it up, um, <laughs> push it up. Cause that's kind of grossing me out a little bit. Um, but it's revealed that they are going through, uh, that he's going through a tough time because he can't track down this, this mad bomber guy who is threatening to, to unleash an attack on Christmas or around Christmas. They don't know specifically when it is. It's a, just this general terrorist guy named Lucas T. Wade. There's not much to that character. It's just kind of, he's just kind of a MacGuffin character, I guess, or he's just a, he's just an antagonistic threat character for it. But he serves his purpose well. Like it's, we don't need an, an elaborate backstory for this character. Um, it's not anything that's really needed. It's just, He's just a villain for for villain's sake, and I'm I'm okay with that. Um. So, at this point, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, this is this is an interesting episode. This it's definitely not what I was expecting, and it's definitely not. I, I was still not sure quite quite how to take it. Um, we see a scene where um, Lee is in her her quarters and she's talking to her wife and, and child on this weird looking video phone. Um, it's it's like a weird futuristic video phone, um, which I thought was interesting, but also it's just, I, I don't get it, like why they didn't just have her looking at like an iPad or something, but I, I don't know. It, it was, it was interesting in its own right. But at that point I'm just thinking like, this is, I don't know. This is, this is an interesting, but just really, really weird and out there premise. Um, and I would have continued thinking that, and I probably would have, um, kind of become more disengaged with the episode. Um, but Bob, the character of Bob is really, really good. Um, First of all, Tom Noonan does a phenomenal job as as voice acting Bob. Like he brings so much energy and emotion to that voice uh, that it's just it's really touching and, and heartwarming in, in a lot of uh, a lot of times. And I, the show kind of uh, um, kind of goes against the archetype of the AI. Um, thing because bob has bob has a personality he's he's fun he's like i really enjoyed seeing the scenes where he is talking to talking to jane and and uh kind of being like he has an energy that's kind of a youthful um youthful humor kind of kind of energy to him that i really took to and it really went a long way to uh make me really attach myself to that character in to jane's uh um, relationship with him or friendship with him. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I just really liked the way that that was handled. Um, and then we're kind of, we kind of get to the root of the problem that he can't find Lucas T. Wade and he keeps getting, he gets somewhat sidetracked by, um, 
the misery all around like that human beings that humankind experience because he is this massive supercomputer brain thing that can essentially monitor the entire world through electronics and and the internet and everything at all times. So he is exposed to the misery of humankind and the misery that human beings um, experience every day. And he internalized that he empathizes with that misery to an extent that it is uh, that it it's takes a toll on him. I think that that was a nice um, metaphor or a nice uh, representation of, of like the strain of, of, military personnel, uh, the mental strain that military personnel incur while they're doing their job. Um, just this in this thing, it's just a giant brain though. <laughs> so like they, we get the scene where he is basically going over the last time he saw Lucas T. Wade and he's explaining that he, he sees him, but he also sees that this little girl was told that there's no Santa and how, um, other people are just really lonely and, de- and depressing, and he just found a lot of pain in that. And and I, I kind of I kind of thought that that was a nice touch. That was a nice a nice moment. That was good characterization for this um for this artificial intelligence creature that is in this episode. Um, and then it kind of culminates, or the 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 big turning point of the episode, I should say, is that he can't stop an explosion that happens. The actual Christmas explosion is, it occurs and it's devastating and it's devastating to him and to Jane and to everyone. Um, and I thought that was, that was a gutsy move. That was a nice, that was a nice turn in the plot because that brings us into this whole, um, it brings us into the whole final act where, uh, the president is ordering that Bob gets shut down and essentially, you know, killed. Um, and it's, it's kind of at that time, it's kind of, um, it's kind of expected that that would be it. But what really elevates that, what really elevates the episode in that moment is that, um, he asks to speak with Jane and the moment where, uh, he asks if they're friends is, is really, really heartwarming and really touching. And like, it was, I it, like that whole scene was like it hit me in the feels like it was it was really moving because uh he asks or she asks him what he, he like if he had one wish what would it be and uh, his wish is that there was a santa claus and that is such a sweet notion and uh it's really it's really strong character development for bob because he's in his dying moments he's and he just wishes that there was a santa claus to spread cheer throughout the entire the entire world and they make that wish come true with bob delivering presents all around the world um with drones and everything uh which like okay it's that's a nice moment that's really sweet and everything but the logistics, I, I found myself just wondering about the logistics of it. Like it doesn't, it didn't make sense to me, but like how, like it didn't make sense to me how he could, how that could happen essentially. Just thinking of like, okay, all of these wrapped gifts, like when you order something or when something is, is prepared like that, you would think it would be for a specific person or a specific order. But I, it's, 
I don't know. I, the logistics of it just, just boggled my mind a little bit. But the sentiment at the heart of it was really sweet, and I, I gave it a pass because it made me think that the Christmas episodes and Christmas movies that I love and I loved while growing up, like those cheesy TV, like cheesy ABC family movies um, where like the the main character is grumpy or something or uh, and then he learns the true meaning of Christmas or or a kid loses faith in, in Santa Claus and then learns that Santa Claus is real. A perfect example is there was this movie that I loved uh, as a kid. It was basically a Groundhog Day ripoff with Christmas. It was called Christmas Every Day. It was it, they aired it on um, ABC Family all the time. And it was just like this kid reliving Christmas um, over and over until he gets it right. And then like there's a scene where. Um, not that, not that the movie was very grounded or anything, but there's a scene where him, him and his sister are looking out the window and it's kind of toward the end and they see that, oh, Santa's sleigh is flying across the sky. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Like, like it goes to like, they're saying that Santa's real. I, I don't know. Anyway, it's, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief when you uh, look at Christmas movies and Christmas TV shows like that, that kind of have that special supernatural or, or magic quality to them. Um, yeah. So I didn't mind that the logistics of Bob delivering presents all around the world uh, didn't really make sense. I, I thought it was nice that uh, there were dro- the drones were dropping the uh presence down down the chimneys i thought that was that was a nice sentiment and uh, that was pretty sweet um the <laughs> and then the kind of big the the nice moment that i got out of it was that he delivered uh lucas t wade a lump of coal i thought that was that was cute that was cute and then they arrested him and everything but the kind of crowning achievement or crowning moment of that of that episode and, and of Bob's final wish and everything was that he got Jane sent home. Um, and I, that was a really nice moment and a really nice sentiment to kind of end the episode on. And it's really, I don't know. It's really heartfelt. It's, I mean, they, they kind of ended on, you know, Bob still gets shut down and everything because it's a, his dying wish and everything. So it's, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's sad in that respect, but especially when you've gone through the episode and really felt for, uh, the character through Tom Noonan's voice acting, but the episode overall is a, is a really nice, solid Christmas episode. Um, it was kind of a sentimental overload a little bit, but it actually managed to work pretty well and be effective in that. And it really taps into the kind of whole holiday spirit in, in a big way. And to be honest, like going through Dimension 404, when I started, when, when I started watching it for this podcast, the last thing I expected was to see a Christmas episode. I thought that was kind of, I, I was just really pleasantly surprised. Um, especially when you view it as we're, we're in this time where um, media and TV shows are released, released digitally on streaming services. And most of the time it's all in one go. I know that Hulu does staggered releases each week, um, but what they've been doing is releasing three episodes up front and then releasing week to week after that. But time was when like we were all, um, when we were all, uh, the uh when we were all captives um 
to network scheduling and stuff like they would they would create christmas episodes and halloween episodes because those air dates corresponded with the holiday seasons. And it's just nice to see that we're in this digital age where uh, release dates are kind of fluid and, and, and you were in this binge watching culture, but this, these producers and, and these creators still find um, it appropriate to create a Christmas themed episode. Um, I don't know if I would go back and visit it like around Christmas time. I might, um, but again, but really dimension 404 and I'll, I'll talk more about this when I review impulse next time, but, and, and kind of wrap up the, uh, bonus review series for it. But dimension 404, as much as I'm enjoying it, like it's, it's, it's a fun show. Like it's, it's fun. It's, it's charming. It has its charms and everything, but it's not, it's not really hooking me the way that like black mirror does or the twilight zone. And it's in a completely different class. Like it's, it's not, I don't think I, it's not like I'm watching the show specifically because I want to experience the same things I experienced watching the twilight zone or black mirror. Cause it is a completely separate beast. It's more campy fun. Um, um, sci-fi anthology shows. That's why last week, um, I was so surprised when Polybius, um, delved into, um, a character's closeted homosexuality and how that affects him and his livelihood and everything in the small town in the eighties. Like I was very surprised by that because it took this social commentary and, and, uh, brought it, brought it into the episode and kind of the same way with this episode with, with Bob, it takes a, it takes a look at the mental toll that, um, soldiers have and, and the, the need to still be amongst your, uh, or to be needed amongst, um, your, uh, coworkers, <laughs> your co-soldiers, your, your teammates, your squad mates, um, people that you're, that you're putting your life on the line with. Um, and it kind of delves, uh, delves into that in a unique way. Cause like I said, this is like something out of a doctor who episode. Um, but it's, it's really sweet and sentimental and it goes through this whole, it, it goes through all of it with, um, underneath this, uh, Christmas themed setting that's, I mean, it's pretty inventive, um, and pretty unique. Uh, it's a very unique episode of television, um, that rocket jump put together and it was released in April and it's a Christmas episode. So it's, it's just, it's funny that way. Um, cause like I said, we're in this era where, um, the content that's being created isn't dictated by when it's going to air necessarily. It's, uh, it's created by creators who aren't concerning themselves with when it airs essentially. Like I know that like doctor who has Christmas specials each year and there, there are exceptions to that. And it's not like this is, it's not like it's anything really that groundbreaking or anything, but it's just nice to see that, that rocket jump, um, thought, Hey, let's, Let's make a Christmas episode about a giant brain, uh, artificial intelligence, um, with, uh, with some mental illness and, uh, pain. And also there's a little bit in this episode about, uh, the NSA and, and, um, <laughs> kind of globally watching everybody. Um, and it's interesting because this episode didn't really depict that in a way that, is fearful or, or it's not villainous, which is kind of refreshing to me. I mean, 
I think back when this is a weird poll, but back when the seventh Fast and the Furious movie came out, I just felt like, man, I'm so sick of having this like global surveillance thing being the big bad of every huge movie that comes out. And yeah, it is like the whole global surveillance and, and, um, and, uh, the immorality of it, um, is a big, a big thing to discuss in our time. Like it's, it's a, it's a serious issue. And this dates all the way back to like 2008 with the dark Knight at the end when, when they have the, the sonar stuff, uh, cause he tapped into all the cell phones. Like it's, it's been steadily like, um, becoming something in pop culture that's commented on, which is fine. Cause that's what pop culture is. That's what, uh, artists, artists, uh, artists do because they take, they take the real world and, and comment on it through their art. But it was kind of refreshing in a weird way, refreshing and maybe a little alarming now that I'm saying it out loud <laughs> to see that the NSA does have like in this, in this scenario, in this show, it does have, the NSA does have the global, the, the capabilities to monitor everyone around the globe and has the authority to just pluck this, uh, this army captain out of the field of Afghanistan and take her to this black ops site when she has leave and everything and, and persuade her into helping out this, this weird machine, uh, thing. It's, it's, it is kind of disturbing that that's not like an antagonistic point, but it's kind of, um, it's kind of okay with me that it was, that it was not just because I'm kind of burnt out on the global surveillance plot device for villains and movies and TV shows, um, right now. So I don't know, maybe when we're all, um, <laughs> maybe when it's an even bigger problem in the world, I'll come back to this episode and think, yeah, this should have been, that should have been more of an, an, an antagonistic thing. But like I said, Dimension 404 is a show that's so far it's been okay. It's been it's been pretty enjoyable, but I, we'll see if I'll, I'll revisit it. Um, and again, it hasn't been renewed for a second season yet. I don't know if it will have a second season or not. Um, but we'll we'll see. And uh, yeah, this is kind of a brief episode. I think I've said pretty much all I have to say about Bob. Yeah, overall it was just it was an okay episode. It was it was a good Christmas themed episode and it was charming and Tom Noonan's performance was definitely the standout for me. Um there was also a bit of comedy here and there that I thought landed pretty well. Um it was pretty it was a pretty enjoyable episode. Kind of it kind of sums up Dimension 404 as a whole. Um it's been a pretty enjoyable show so far and um pretty unique in its execution. I I'll say that. Um yeah, so stay tuned for next time when I review the final episode of Season 1 of Dimension 404, um, Impulse. And then here soon, I will start up a review, um, a bonus review series for Black Mirror Season 4. Uh, that doesn't have a release date yet, but I'm thinking... I'm kind of hoping that it's not until November, because um, I'd like to get some actual main uh, anthology episodes out there and, and on like have a few weeks where I'm just reviewing the twilight zone and everything, but we'll see. Um, plus with, uh, stranger things coming out on October 27th, I would think that 
Um, I would think that maybe Netflix is waiting until they release. I, I have a feeling that Netflix isn't going to release Black Mirror until a week or two after Stranger Things. Um, so I would think November would be when it's coming out, but we'll see. Then we also have Amazon's Amazon Prime's uh, uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, which I'm looking forward to. There is a trailer out there now uh, for that for the Australian um, release of it, uh, but no release date yet. So I'm expecting the, both of those to be to be coming out in 2017. Um, yeah. And as always, you can always check out the main feed for my reviews of the twilight zone as a first time viewer paired with each, I pair each episode with a bonus review related to the movie or, or related to the episode that I'm reviewing each week on anthology. So, um, without further ado, thank you for listening. And also final, final thing, I promise, um, Check out my new, uh, mine and Tiny's new side project podcast, Tower Junkies. It is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. Uh, we have several different categories for, for episodes. It's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're basically going through, uh, we're gonna be talking about The Dark Tower specifically all the time. <laughs> And, uh, we'll, we will also be reviewing, uh, non Dark Tower related Stephen King books, adaptations, and, uh, it's a, a bunch of stuff. All things Stephen King, all things Dark Tower. It's gonna be a blast. Find that at towerjunkiespod.com. Um, and, uh, also, you know, follow it on Twitter at towerjunkiespod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. So, having said all that, uh, Thank you guys for listening. Join me next time for Impulse, the final episode of Season 1 of Dimension 404. And thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For more of Anthology and a full archive of my episodes, go to AnthologyPod.com. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way you can do that is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also make donations to the show courtesy of the donate link in the show notes of each episode and on anthologypod.com. For recurring donations, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and just choose one of the anthology reward tiers. If you enjoy Anthology, feel free to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friend Tiny and occasional guest co-hosts over at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also join The Obsessive Viewer Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. For book reviews and commentary on the world of reading, check out our sister site at ObsessiveBookNerd.com. And for philosophical discussions from a secular viewpoint, check out my friends Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. Finally, if you'd like to contact me with your thoughts on the show, my reviews, my bonus reviews, or for any other reason, you can tweet me at ObsessiveViewer, send me an email at Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com, or send me a message on Facebook and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.